Welcome to Faith Foundation's Discipleship Podcast. I am your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series. And I wanted to talk just briefly about the what is this, what are we going to be doing here, and the why. And so I wanted to go a little bit more into depth with um, just kind of some of the trends that I'm noticing in the Christian culture at large, especially when it comes to being in God's Word. Um, I want to share some of the statistics that I found today, those kinds of things. The first thing I, w- I want to start off with is that I grew up being told what to do in my faith, but not a lot of why. It wasn't explained. Like things like um, sex needed to be saved for marriage. You knew that, but you didn't really understand from God's perspective why. So I don't remember having a lot of those pieces. I think I remember things like, you know, that it reflects God's relationship with us or something. You know, I remember some of those maybe, but there really wasn't this sense of this is the way God designed it. And here's the cost when we go outside of that. When we go outside of what God has designed for us, we pay a price, a heavy price. Um, You know, some of those key pieces, it just wasn't tied in well with the why. We knew the what's and the whatnots, (laughs) but some of those pieces that just integrate the faith and tie it together with a sure foundation were just kind of, it was because I said so, was kind of the answer you seem to get with a lot of that. It's because the Bible said so or because of this, but you didn't get a lot of the undergirding of stuff, if that makes sense. And I've noticed this a lot for my generation. And then the other thing that was happening in my generations growing up is that we were coming out with Bible study series, curriculums for Sunday school. We were packaging a lot of these concepts and the heart was good. And I don't think we understood what we've we were going to get what we've ended up with. You know, we, we made things easy to understand. We tried to make the Bible very friendly to explore. We tried to summarize things and kind of, here's your five points to being a good Christian woman or, you know, a praying wife, or we just did tons of that kind of stuff. Um, and so what we've ended up with was a lot of books. Some are really based on God's word and are quality resources. Um, and then others were written by people who aren't is founded in God's word. And so sometimes you need to read those with discernment, discerning what's consistent with scripture and what isn't. And if you're not in the word, how are you going to do that? Um, And then quite frankly, there's a lot of stuff out there that is charlatan. It's not truth. It's not biblical, but it's called faith-friendly. It's called Christian. It's called, you know, and so we're living in an age where there has been tons of that that has flooded the Christian world. And unfortunately, if believers aren't in God's word, they're lacking the ability to discern what's wisdom and what's off. And so, you know, we've got a lot of believers who've grown up with Bible study curriculums and devotional series, which are good things. And we didn't create them intending that they replace God's word. But that's what the enemy, I think, has done in the backside of it, that we've become more comfortable as a Christian subculture to pick up a devotional and read our daily devotional and then walk away and we haven't opened God's word for ourselves. Or, you know, with some of the Bible apps, we'll read the verse, but we won't go in and read the context at all. And so we get one 
little verse and we don't have it in context, nothing. And we just look at it, interpret what we think we can pull from it for the day and chew on and off we go, if we do that. Um, And so I think it's created a lot of bad habits for Christians. And so, you know, between that and, and, and just raising up a lost generation that just doesn't know what to do with God's word, they're missing key pieces. Like, How's the Bible set up? And what am I reading when I open it to the book of Psalms versus, you know, Genesis versus um, Revelations? Like, what am I reading and how do I understand what's here? They're missing those pieces because they've they've had curriculum. And some of that curriculum, they didn't bring their Bibles and followed along. You know, it was just kind of provided or the story was told. And quite frankly, we've raised a generation that aren't as connected to Sunday school. You know, we've had, we've gone to church and not so much Sunday school. And then we have parents, I think, in the church that they're not worrying about passing it on. They expect that if I go to church, that's taken care of, I think, a lot, because that's what we do with school. I mean, we send our kids to school to be educated. So I think these are just patterns that have led to some bad habits as Christian parents and in, for, in our, for our own lives, you know. In researching biblical literacy, I found uh, an article that was written through answersingenesis.org by uh, Dr. Albert Muller, uh, Jr., and in it, he talks about just the scandal of biblical illiteracy, and illiteracy is not being able or not choosing to read the Bible. So, uh, okay, so here it goes. Only half of all Christian adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the twelve disciples. A Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc might have been Noah's wife. Another survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were a husband and wife. And a considerable number of respondents um, in one poll indicated that Billy Graham preached the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you're at all familiar with God's word, you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, and you kind of grow up knowing that if you've grown up pretty faithful in church. But there are believers that I've come into contact with over the years that didn't have all those foundation Sunday school years. And so they don't, if you'd ask them, okay, here's the Bible, where's the Gospels? They wouldn't know. If you ask them what is talked about in the Gospels, they wouldn't know that that was the firsthand accounts of the life of Christ. There's a lot of things like the epistles. What are those? Well, those are letters that were written by the disciples and the apostles to the church, um, to the little churches, and they were passed around because they talked about doctrine and theology pieces, and they talked about how to live out this following Christ. Um, And so, you know, depending on what a new believer wants or a believer wants to work on in their lives, you go to different places. You know, if you want to work on your tongue, you know, where would you go in scripture? A lot of people, even ones that are in the word pretty faithfully may not even know. Um, And so there's just... There's a whole lot of people that don't know what to do with God's word anymore. Some of the other things I was kind of finding uh, is that two in five uh, believers, church-attending believers, are only in the word one to two times a month. That's it. 
That's 30 days. And to be in the word once or twice, how do you live out something that you're not putting into you? You know, what comes out of us is what we have put into our minds and our brains. Um, and so, you know, if we're watching inappropriate things, inappropriate things are going to slide out somewhere. Um, same thing with the Bible. If we're not in it, it can't, we have no hope of making it come out of us. Um, one in five churchgoers never read the Bible. And this is just people self-admitting, you know. So think about that on Sunday with the sanctuary full. One in five never read God's Word. They never pick up a Bible. Okay, so the question is, do we have it? (laughs) Is it available to us? Well, one of the things I found is that um, American homes, the average American family owns three Bibles, three copies. There are countries where they, if they get a portion of a Bible, they will memorize it and then pass it on to somebody else because there aren't Bibles allowed in their countries. And when they get one, they will gather people together. And some of those people will journey three to five days to get there because they know there's a Bible and somebody's going to be opening it and reading it. I, in America, we are just saturated with them. You know, we can pull open our phone and our, you know, our iPads and all of their, our gadgets and gizmos. And, and right there is ready access 24 seven to God's word. And yet one in five, never open it, never read it. Here's the thing. If you don't read it, you can't understand it or know it, and you're never going to know to discern what's truth and what's not. So you're going to fall for things that aren't truth. You're going to just go along with the Christian movements that are going, and those movements may not be biblically sound. How are you going to know if you're not in the Word? If you're raising children, how are you going to raise them to follow Christ? To stand if there's persecution that comes at us. Um, One of the things that's happening is that skepticism of God's word is on the rise. And there's a good part to that in that hopefully it's creating a, a group of people that are seeking and are curious and want to learn and know something. Um, and this podcast hopefully will be something very specific that'll be helpful for that. But the downside of that is that there's all of this doubt and discrediting of God's word. And the people who believe God's word and align their lives with it, where there's this this current that is starting to label them as fanatical. You know, well, I'm going to base my life on the word and I may end up getting called fanatical for it. But because I'm in the word, I recognize its truth and I, I can see clearly to discern what's in front of me. That's what I want for other believers. I want you to have confidence to know that you can trust God's word and to know why to know that you can open up this book and find life and everything you need to live the Christian life. That is my heart. That is my hope. So we're going to start off this series um, in the next episode talking about why we can trust God's word. And I I hope you're going to find that it's a miraculous book, um, that it truly defies so many things that should have happened. It shouldn't, it should be a mess. 
Quite frankly, God's word should be an absolute mess if it was purely and only in the hands of mankind. And I think when you understand how miraculous the book is to exist and then how accurately it has been cherished and treasured and preserved by the Christians along the way and by the hand of God um, through just just the facts that are out there, like um, and how that was impacted by the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls and what that did for validating the authenticity of the Bible you hold um, or own at home. That's where we can be confident that when we go to God's word, it truly is his word because it defies what should be probable or possible. Um, And so when I think you grasp how miraculous the book is, you're more likely to give it the authority that it deserves and should have. You're more likely to look at it and accept that what you're reading is truth. God said it. I believe it. I'm going to live it. That should be where we go as believers. Um, But we are walking a generation where we are doing what seems right in our own eyes because we don't know what God's word is. Um, You know, for example, one of the things I found about Christian worldview, um, I'm just going to define Christian worldview. And this is um, an article from Christianity Today. Um, and we'll have some of these in the, our documentation so you guys can look them up for yourselves. But for the purposes of the survey that they're talking about, the definition a biblical worldview is defined as believing the absolute moral truth exists. Uh, the Bible is totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Satan is considered to be real, a real being or force, not merely symbolic. A person cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to be good or do good works. And Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth. And God is all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. Okay, so that is defined as a biblical worldview. And so when you make decisions about things in life and how you feel about things, it's through the lens of this biblical worldview. Okay, so here's the statistics on some of this. So research indicates that only 9% of all Americans actually have a biblical worldview as defined above. Less than 10% of Americans. Makes sense. If you're not reading it, you're not going to believe a Christian worldview. You're not going to have one. And if you don't have a Christian worldview, you're not going to live out Christian principles. Well, 9%. There's a lot more claiming to be Christians than that 9%. A lot more claiming to be born-again believers. One in five in your churches are not reading God's word for themselves ever. Two out of five read maybe one to two times a month. I want to shake us for that because we have been complacent and sleeping. (laughs) And we need to wake up. We need to ask ourselves, number one, how much am I in the Word? Am I opening it up and reading it? There are tons of resources to just read your way through Scripture. And I'm going to bring us back to this probably over and over throughout the series, but reading the Word is not studying it. There's a difference. Reading it is I am letting it flow over me. I'm just walking through it, and I might pick up one or two things, but then I read on. I'm getting the flow of it and letting this, the, what's written just flow over me. When I study something, I am taking time to intentionally 
observe the text. I'm asking questions. I'm doing maybe even a little bit of research to figure out what kind of cultural things might be in this and impact this. You know, what does this specific thing I see here mean? So studying is very different than just reading God's word. One of the things that we have done in the Christian church that I think has, um, according to the research, actually encouraged people to be in the word is small groups. That has made a big impact in the church. But a lot of those studies don't make it past a surface Bible study where you're basically reading, making a couple of observations, and then you move on. Um, It's very different than a deep chewing of God's word. Um, For a deeper Bible study, here's a resource. They are called inductive Bible studies, and it really teaches you to observe what the Bible actually says, what you're, what's on the page right in front of you. Um, And it helps you to observe it in its context. One of the biggest things you're going to hear from me is the, that the Bible cannot mean something for us today that it did not mean to its original audience that it was originally written to. And so there's some pieces sometimes that we need to understand in order to help us understand the meaning that it had then so that we can apply it to our lives now and to see how it crosses over and walks into our world. The other thing that has really just kind of burdened my heart is that what the research is showing us is that millennials and down, the younger generations, have not been given the importance of God's word. They have not been given the foundations. And so they're lost. They're lost. And so they look for voices to follow. Well, if that voice is not grounded in God's word, they go off track really fast and they don't know it. But it seems right and they like the argument and they like the logic behind it, but it's off. And so we've got a lot coming up with the millennials as they walk into adulthood and some of those younger generations where there are more coming behind us that honestly they need us to be digging into God's word so that we have some answers for them as they seek so that we can show them how to read God's word and to, to train them to be readers of God's word, to be in it and study it. Um, I was talking with... Uh, a young man who was very clearly a millennial. I'm I'm at the end of the generation right before. I'm kind of the bridge over. So I'm I'm in my 40s. Um, but so I've raised kind of straddling both worlds. So I've got pieces of me that are millennial, but I've got pieces of me that are the other. Um, but I was talking to a young man that was very clearly in the millennial stage. And we both agreed that most times they know the what, they know the rules, but they're missing the why and sometimes the how. The how do I live this out? They have devotionals, they have, you know, all kinds of online things. And sometimes they find key people that they kind of follow and look after. But none of that has them going directly into God's word. And so, The heart for this is for them to have a place to come, open up the word of God and just listen and walk through and, and learn. Second Timothy three, 16 and 17 says all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for instruction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that we can be thoroughly equipped for life, 
That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Uh, you know, and then in the Old Testament, um, Joshua 1, 8, um, this is what we're instructed. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Joshua 1, 8. Um, here's the thing. God makes a lot of promises about being in his word and keeping his word in us. It is the way we abide in Christ. If we are not grounded in God's word, we do not have the skill of being able to discern what is truth and what isn't. You don't have that ability. And so if you're using your emotional experience or other things to connect with the heart of God and you don't have your feet grounded in God's word, you are never going to know if you are bringing glory to God or you're not. If what you're experiencing is truth or not, God's word has to be your foundation and your anchor. Um, but faith foundations, our heart is discipleship. Our heart is to have a resource that can be used if you're a stronger believer, but you don't know what to do with a younger believer. These might be great things that you can take and listen and then discuss. Um, but my heart for this is just that we have one stop place to kind of come and, and be able to ask some of the questions that we don't sometimes get in Sunday school. Part of grad school for me was classes like biblical exegesis and all kinds of fancy, almost seminary-like classes. And I'm going to take some of those like we might do an Old Testament survey and where I am going to skim over and give you a big picture of the Old Testament and a big picture of how the Old and the New Testament weave together and why we can't just go after and hold on to the New Testament and ignore the old and why, you know, we can't just focus on Jesus's words and tune out the rest. I'm, I'm really going to present some of that kind of stuff with this. We're going to talk about things like, what does the Bible actually say about God the Father? What does he say about Jesus, the Son? What does it say about the Holy Spirit? Um, you know, and so we're going to talk about some of those key pieces as well. Theology, um, foundational pieces like you know, one of the stats I found was that 60% of the the church actually agrees that Jesus was a sinless, was sinless. So that leaves like 40% of born-again believers, the people that claim to be born again, questioning whether Jesus was sinless or not. Well, we're going to talk about how that piece right there, that piece of theology is so incredibly crucial to why he came and why he, God was so careful that he qualified to be our sacrifice, to become sin for us. If he had his own, he could not become sin for us. That's going to be some of the stuff we talk about. Um, because my heart is that believers become rooted and grounded in God's word so that they can discern truth from a lie. This has been an intro to Faith Foundations, and I'm Gwen McCaslin, the host. See you next time.